somebody. Amen. It's the same for miracles. It's the same for the fivefold ministry. It's the same for anything that you and I are, uh, uh, have access to or heirs of through uh, 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 from our Father. Amen. Our Heavenly Father. It's true for every bit of that. Amen. Not just a little bit of it. Praise God. And so we've got to release that from the Spirit. Now, this morning, one one of the things I, I, I tried to bring out yesterday, I kind of got off a little bit because I felt the uh, I felt like I hit uh, an area that needed to be dealt with when I started giving my own testimony. Uh, but but my my one thing that I, <laughs> I desired to bring out last night, hopefully I did, but is is that we get revelations and knowledge that lead us into the manifestation. It don't happen just because we toss up a coin and hopefully it lands on the right side. This isn't magic. Amen. We're not psychics. We're not, amen. This isn't witchcraft. This is, this, is, this is us growing and learning and maturing and operating into a measure, amen, of faith and demonstration of the kingdom of God that nothing can shake us out of it. Nothing can take us from it. Amen. So it comes to us, and I read those in Hebrews and in 1 Peter uh, uh, that it comes to us, amen, through the knowledge of our Lord, through the knowledge of our Lord. Who's that? That's Christ. Amen. Knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So through us learning of him, that's where we begin to take on, amen, his divine nature. Praise God. Hallelujah. So today I want to deal with the, uh, uh, um, another touchy subject. This is, every, every preacher seems to have that one topic that God is really just open their eyes to. Uh, uh, Pastor Ziggy's got a couple of them. One's revival and, and, and combating a spirit of religion. Amen. Another is, is the area of, of finances and blessings where God would get us out of that mentality. Amen. Impoverished mentality and shows that he's got better for us. Amen. Uh, those seem to be subjects that he is absolutely uh, 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 zoned in on. Amen. The subject that, that, that God, I feel one of those subjects for me is spiritual warfare. Amen. I, and, and, and I know, I, I know that, that, that when I preach on this, it, now, now I've been preaching this in my church for years, so my church has this, we, we live in this, but I, I was a big spiritual warfare guru. I mean, I thought my tongues were warfare. I believed my dance was warfare. I believed my praise was a weapon. I mean, all of that stuff. And God began to take me on a journey, amen, and he began to show me that none of that was designed to be against Satan. Go through the Old Testament. When they waved banners, they wasn't waving it to the enemy. And we use that, well, they sent the praisers out first. That wasn't to fight. They knew they would lose unless God showed up. Come on, somebody. The, praisers, the praise team was not the warfare team. The praise team was the inhabitation of God. They were the ones that would get his attention because victory wouldn't show up without him. Come on, somebody. Amen. So we have to change this in our mind. We have to get a new perception of what warfare is. If we want to operate in the kingdom and understand the gifts and the tools that he is giving us, we got to realize that you and I are not going up against Satan. He's defeated. Somebody say, he's defeated. he's defeated. 
People want to hold on to their little Satan because it makes them feel good about themselves. But the quicker you get rid of him and he's no longer an object for you, amen, and you just resist him, praise God. And I'm going to take us through scriptures to show us this, amen. But, but as soon as we, because I know all the scriptures are flooding our mind and of, of everything that we've used in concerning spiritual warfare. I believe in spiritual warfare, but I'm going to show you the only war that Paul taught about. There's one war that he taught about, and I'm going to show it to you, and this kind of be the second part of last night, and this will be where uh, uh, I believe that God is, is kind of taking a church. The greatest, this is how God started me with this. He said, the greatest deception in the church is that Satan now has the attention of the praise team. Well, how does he have the attention of the praise team? He has it because we think we can praise him, Satan, out of the room. Praise Satan out of the person. We can shout. It wasn't the shout that brought the walls down. Come on. Amen. You don't shout. <laughs> Satan doesn't respond to your praise because he understands the pr real purpose of praise. He's not afraid of praise because he understands the real purpose of it. The, uh, amen. Why? Because he understands that he's deceived the church, especially us charismatics, that have and has gotten the attention of the praise and worship on himself to where we're no longer putting God for, uh, uh, front and foremost. Now it's Satan. So when we wave our banners and we speak in a, I used to believe I had, and I had people tell me this, man, you got warfare tongues. It's kind of like a machine gun when you, and it's not all the time, but when you cross over, it's like a machine gun and you just blast it away. And I really believe that. But Satan doesn't, under, and I had somebody in my church, Satan understands your tongues. I said, really? I said, how do you understand them? Well, by the Holy Ghost. So you're telling me he's filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. He don't understand my tongues. I may preach better today than I did last night. Hallelujah. He don't understand my tongues. Amen. He don't. Hallelujah. He's not filled with the Holy Ghost. He don't have that understanding. He's not at unity with the Spirit of God. But we have, we have, amen, we have fallen and we have caved to this foolishness in the church. And now we are wasting our time trying to war an enemy that God has already declared defeated. He, wa he was defeated when he cast him out of the heavens. He was defeated in humanity when Christ died and was resurrected. So now he's lost all authority, and the Bible says that it's all come under subjection. We read this last night, under Christ, but it was the humanity side of Christ, right? Read that last night. Hebrews 1 speaks to his deity. Hebrews 2 speaks to his humanity. And it was in Hebrews 2 where he's talking about him being lower than the angels. That The, uh, uh, the writer said that that's where all uh, uh, creation was subjected under him. It was a humanity side, meaning that God always designed for you and I as humans, praise God, governed by the Spirit to walk in. Amen. How are we governed by the Spirit? You and I are ambassadors for who? Christ. That's the kingdom. So you are here representing a kingdom. You're in the world, but not of this world. Do you realize that our ambassadors step foot in a foreign nation, but they do not have to obey their laws? They're there, but they're still governed by American constitution. Amen. Why? Because it protects them. 
Because in other, they, we have ambassadors and nations that have banned Christianity. It's illegal to serve Jesus. But we still have embassies there, so we don't want our people being persecuted because they're Christians. So they're governed by law, and if that nation tries to prosecute them for something that we consider legal, then that's a declaration of war. Come on, somebody. Amen. In the spirit, praise God, in the kingdom of God, we are here, but we are governed by a law that is greater than the laws of this land. Amen. You and I are first accountable to truth. You and I are first accountable to Christ. We are not accountable to the Constitution. And the con- Listen, the Bible was not written off the Constitution. And contrary to popular belief, and I have offended a lot of people, I am a veteran. I am American citizen. I am patriotic as they get. Amen. I have an American flag in my house. Praise God. I, I have it in my church. I believe that we are uh, to celebrate and thank God for the nation that he put us in. But God is not American. American. Jesus is not a Trump supporter. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. I don't care. Listen, I, I am a Trump supporter, but Christ is not. He does not bear the American flag on his chest. He is not walking up and down the streets of America. Amen. Being patriotic. He's walking up here representing the kingdom of the living God. We mess it up when we try to conflate Christ with our politics. Amen. I believe I said this at, at the last revival I spoke at at your church or I, I covered for, for pastor. Amen. But if, if your beliefs are rooted from your politics, you're wrong. Your politics should be derived from your beliefs in the word. Amen. I don't choose sides. We stand in truth. Come on, this is more of what we're combating. Why are we fighting? Do you know when I, when I, when I got this, God started dealing with me on this. I, I, that same year after he gave me this in, in January and started walking me through this, this had been years long that he's taken me through this. So he started in January walking me through this, amen, and it just rocked my world. Like, God, this, you're going to you're gonna have to prove this to me because I enjoyed fighting Satan. That was all my life. Amen. It was just my thing. And, and, and so I was like, God, you're going to have to take me through this. Shortly after that, about mid-year of 2012, all of a sudden, I came under a mental and emotional attack. I had an emotional breakdown, and I was on the verge of a mental breakdown. Literally. Not just being exaggerated. My wife can tell you, I, my only option, I was convinced in my head that my only option was to run away, abandon my family, leave, and never come back. That's a mental breakdown. I was on the verge of that. That's where I convinced myself that was my only option. This is in 2012. Amen. I went to the church. My wife was reaching out to everybody she could. You need to call Aaron. You've got to get a hold of him. He's about to do something stupid. Amen. I had my mom call me, try to talk sense into me. I mean, I would try to go away and, and get alone, and I'd try to do all that. Now, granted, God just told me and just started dealing with me about Satan being defeated, about coming out of this, that type of warfare. And then I have this big attack in my mind and in my emotion. So while I, I, I go to church, we were campus pastors of a church there in Chickasha at this time, and I go to the church, and I, God spoke to me as soon as I walked in the door. He said, build me an altar. 
built an altar on the platform, had all the lights dim besides the stage lights. I get up there, and of course, my altar was just, I laid down some cloths, and I laid on top of it. And I said, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm just giving you myself. That's all I know to do. I don't know how to come out of this. I don't know how to get through it. All I know is I'm looking for peace, and all I'm asking you is, God, just take me. I'm an offering. And you know what he did? <laughs> he broke that thing off of me. Oh, yeah. I en- how? I entered into his rest. Now you go to Hebrews 4, the writer starts talking to them about a day of rest that's yet to come. He says it was not fulfilled with the children of Israel. He starts laying out the proof. He said they didn't enter that day of rest. And, 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 and they also began to talk about, he, he said Joshua began to talk about a day of rest that was to come. And then he tells them, now is the time for you and I to enter the day of rest. That's why you no longer work for it. Now we'll claim, we'll, we'll bash the works when it comes to our, 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 our faith, uh, amen, our prosperity, uh, receiving grace, amen, receiving forgiveness. You don't have to work to be a Christian. You don't have to earn it. But for some reason when it comes to, to Satan's, uh, us making Satan find his place, amen, all of a sudden we feel like that's the one place in our life we have to work. But if it's, it's, if it's the same, if we rest for forgiveness, if we rest and find grace, if we rest and find favor, if we rest and we are blessed, amen, it's the same with him. If we find that day of rest, he's defeated in that place. He's a tool for God. He is not an enemy of God. God used You know where he said, death, where is your sting, grave, where is your victory? He didn't do away with them. He just took the effects of them away. So now when I die, there is no sting of death. There is no victory in the grave. Why? Because my eternal life has begun at the moment I was born again. So he's no longer an enemy. He's just overcome. He's overcome. Amen. So my life is no longer walking after trying to defeat him. I got up from there realizing that I was now in victory. And I didn't have to war for it. I didn't have to pray for three hours in tongues to get it. (laughs) Amen. I didn't have to dance to get it. I I know everybody loves the song, your praise is a weapon, but it's not. (laughs) It's not a weapon against Satan. Amen. Your tambourine was to be played to God. The drums was to be played to God. The music was to be played to God. Your vocal cords. Lucifer did not need a choir. He would open up and the sounds would come out of him. Do you know that the reason the Church of Christ don't believe in musicians in the church? Because they believe that we carry that sound. And that because the New Testament church never spoke of instruments and musicians, that's why they believe that it shouldn't be in the church. And, it, and I've been to a church of Christ, and I've listened, and their harmony is perfect because they created a culture and an atmosphere around that unity in the voices where you open up and you release to God what's in you. Now, of course, I disagree with them. I do believe that we can have music and worship, and use all things that God has given us to glorify the Father. But it's no wonder the Satan deceives the church in taking what he lost and putting it on himself. 
He can't do it anymore. So he'll deceive you into giving him the power to take that attention away from your father. Amen. <laughs> I feel good today. Hallelujah. I know. I feel like I'm dropping some bombs on us and we're all trying to figure this out. Like what in the world just happened? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but hang, hang with me. I got a lot more for us. I, I'll try not to keep us uh, too long, but we will uh, uh, we'll get through this. I want you to understand the war, the one war that Paul uh, dealt with. Do, do I have a time limit? I know we have service tonight. What time are reservations? Praise God. I don't want to miss lunch. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So Matthew 18 and 18, whatever you bind on earth, this is, a, this is one of those warfare scriptures. Matthew 18 and 18. I'm going to take you through several of the warfare scriptures and kind of give you the context of them real quick. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Amen. One translation says that whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. And the first person I ever heard teach this was Pastor Ziggy back during the revival in 2006. Amen. Hallelujah. Is that, listen, I, you and I are not here to command the heavens. You and I are here to replicate the heavens. We're here to do in the earth what heaven has already established. Amen. Heaven is not following you and I. We're supposed to be following it. Praise God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll start with verse 3. If I go too quick, I apologize, but I, I want to get through all these scriptures if I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What's the context of this? He's talking about your imaginations, your mind. Not Satan. The stronghold was in your mind. Jesus told them, he said, if you, he said, when they accused him of blasphemy, he said, how can it be blasphemy? He said, unless, you can't control the whole house unless you first bind the strong man of the house. It wasn't Satan. It was the mind that you were controlled by. Your humanity is pure. It's what it's governed by that corrupts it. If it's governed by carnality, then that corrupts your humanity. If it's governed by the spirit, then that's what gives you life eternal. Amen. So here he's talking about the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but they're mighty through God. They're pulling down our strongholds, and it deals with the mind, casting down imaginations, every high thing, every thought that you exalt against the knowledge of God, anything that you have, any idea that you have, any opinion you have that actually contests God, contests truth, that actually opposes him. That's what he gives you tools to bring down. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 4 through 6, in whom, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, the God of this world, that's the systems of this world, 
Amen. He blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God of this world, amen, his main deal was to blind all of us, but through the knowledge of God, he took the veil away. When Jesus died, it was at the, his death that the veil was ripped, the Bible tells us, that they heard the ripping from top to bottom at the moment he died. Amen. What is that a sign of? That's not so I can get into the Holy of Holies and roll around in the floor. It's so that you can gain the utmost mysteries. Remember what he told them? I speak to you mysteries. I speak... <laughs> Paul started receiving after Acts, amen, after being filled with the Holy Ghost, after being saved, started receiving mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter, standing in the temple when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2, and everybody began to feel, be filled with the Holy Ghost and, and started speaking in unknown tongues and different kinds of tongues. Amen. The people, bystanders were saying, look, they're drunk. And Peter said, ah, they're not drunk, but this is that that the prophet Joel prophesied when he said, amen. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Oh, yeah. What did he do? He received a mystery. Amen. Same way when Christ asked him, who do, who do men say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Christ said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. In other words, you just got a mystery, and because you got a mystery, the church will be erected from that mystery, and the gates of hell will no longer prosper against the church. He's defeated. Amen. Hallelujah. So he blinds the minds of the unbeliever, them that believe not. Why? Because he don't want the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God. You understand that the glory is the reflection, the image, the illumination of God. Amen. That it should shine unto them. He don't want you and I getting revelation. He hates truth. That's, amen, if you understand that, you will understand where the war is at. He don't want you and I receiving truth. He loves the fluff. He loves the emotionalism because you're preaching to the soul of man. But he don't want you preaching to the spirit of a man. Oh, come on, somebody. Why? Because when I begin to preach to your spirit, to the Christ in you, then that Christ begins to rise up. He begins to, you begin to take on the divine nature of Christ. Uh, oh, I feel like preaching in here. You begin to take on the divine nature of Christ. Uh, and when you begin to do that, your life begins to reflect the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 give you a second to go there said I was going to do a little more teaching today but I feel preachy telling you this is my subject I love this God has really helped me with this as soon as I started living in victory I haven't had to deal with this illness <laughs> you know I had two surgeries back to back when he told me this had a, 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 a gallbladder taken out and then two weeks later, they came and, and they had to fix a hernia, two weeks apart. And while I'm laying in bed trying to recover, 
God comes to me and he says, the war has ended. Amen. That's what started this. Ever since then, we've lived in peace, praise God, not because we haven't had trouble, not because we haven't gone through trials, not because we haven't felt like we were in the middle of a fire, amen, pit, and couldn't see our way out, amen. We still go through things. We still have a life, amen. There's still things that oppose us. There's still things that come against us, but you know what? Through all of that, we can still rejoice. Imagine that. You don't have to cry every time something hurts, every time something goes wrong. You can overcome it or realize that you're already made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Amen. My mother's like, well, it's hard to find that, to be an overcomer. She's going through attempted suicide, divorce, all of that, and I was trying to walk her through this. Amen. And she said, son, she said, how am I overcomer? Look at my life. I said, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. She said, what, do you, what testimony? My whole life is a mess. I said, it's not the mess that ruins the testimony. That's what makes it. But the word is when you find Christ in your story. You can't have a testimony without the mess. That's the story. But when you can look in your story and find Christ, then you are able to overcome it. That helped her. Amen. I received it by the Spirit in, the, in that phone call at that moment. It's not, it's not that you and I don't struggle. It's that you and I are able to see Christ in our problems, see Christ in our issues, see Christ in the valley and on the mountaintop. Amen. Praise God. So chapter 10, verse 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. What is he telling them? He said if the blood of bulls and goats could have cleansed it, then they'd have never had to, Christ would have never had to come. Why? Why couldn't it cleanse it? Because it couldn't stop the pattern of the mind. It couldn't cleanse the conscience of sin. So when Adam and Eve fell, it got into the mind of man. And created a pattern. Science has proven, if you, uh, how much, however much we want to believe, but the mind, that the mind functions, amen, off of, it creates patterns, it finds patterns, and it stores patterns. Creates patterns, it finds patterns, and it stores patterns. Greatest example of this that I could ever give is when I was, I preached at my first uh, <laughs> black church ever that I'd ever been to. And when I was preaching, a lady in the back I, uh, got to a point, and I mean, I was hooping and I was sweating, didn't have much to say, but I was just excited. Praise God. Amen. And the woman in the back, she said, shut your mouth. And I, it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was like, oh my God, she just told me shut up. So I kept preaching, went on, went to the pastor after church and said, Pastor, I said, that lady told me shut up in the middle of church. You didn't even say nothing. He busted out laughing. He said, no. He said, you got to understand our culture. He said, when we tell you shut up, that means you better keep on going. You're stepping on some toes. You're preaching good. But my mind found the pattern, and I heard my mother say, shut up. Come on, somebody. Amen. My mind didn't understand that culture because that wasn't a pattern for me. The pattern of shut up for me was I was always in trouble, and it was about to come with a slap. So I automatically assumed that I had done something wrong because that's what my pattern told me. 
Come on, somebody. The blood of bulls and goats could not break up that pattern. It took the blood of Christ. Why? Because he was fully God, dealing with the eternal realm, and he was fully man, dealing with humanity. And so he was able to get into the conscience, and his blood was able to break up the pattern so that you and I could have a brand new pattern that was fathomed after the steps and the mind of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 2, Ephesians 2 and 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. This was your nature. He's telling them. He's talking to the Gentiles, born-again Gentiles. It's like, you used to live that way. You were born into that. That was your pattern. That was your habit. And amen. That was what you were caught up in. For God, but God, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. The God of this world, he governs the carnal realm. But Christ made way for us to sit with him in higher places. In other words, you don't have to live up underneath the corruption of carnality. You and I can soar to higher places and still live in this earth, but be governed by the mind of the spirit. Paul said if you follow after the mind of the spirit, you won't be led by the mind of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter 7, and this is where Paul describes the only war that he ever fought. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, Evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. What do you say? He said, there's a war going on, and it's between the mind of my flesh and the mind of my spirit. That's the true war. Not between Satan and me. But between the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. In other words, he's like, I've been saved from that. I've been redeemed from that. But the law of flesh, the mind of the flesh keeps drawing me back into that captivity. In other words, I keep being enslaved again to the law of sin and death. Do you understand Christ? Christ didn't abolish that law. He fulfilled it. You have to say, a lot of people preach against that law, but God's not against it. That was his word. He fulfilled it. He had a purpose for it. And he completed it in Christ. So he's not, he's not anti-Old Testament. He's not anti-law. That's his word. He spoke that. Praise God. What he was anti was, and you can go back and study this, but the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders added laws on top of what God said. God came to abolish those, but he did not come to abolish his original law. Amen. 
Praise God. He came to complete it. Christ fulfilled that. Amen. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he fulfilled that law. Now God is satisfied. But you and I, amen, Paul here is saying that every time I want to do good, every time I'm living in grace, every time I'm believing God, amen, and walking in what he has called me to do, there is always this mind of the flesh that is still warring against my members. In other words, I've created a pattern of good, but I'm still struggling with the old pattern of bad. And there's this struggle, this war going on within me, amen, that he is having a hard time figuring out. But he's writing to them because God gave him an answer. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's like, all right. He said, listen, I'm wretched, but this is my question. Who's going to get me out of this? Oh, he said in verse 25, I thank through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He began to see the difference. He said, with my flesh, the carnality, he said, I have no other option but to serve the law of sin and death. But with my members, I serve the law of God. Amen. With my flesh, the carnality, the corruption of man, I'm in prison to the law of sin and death. That's the dangers of religion because it'll always trap you in the law of sin and death. That's completed. Doesn't mean that you're not going to sin, but it means that every time you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. And what does that mean? That means Christ, God, every time you sin, Blood has to be shed. Blood has to be shed. So you're in a courtroom after your sin, and your attorney is Christ, and when the judge says blood has to be shed for their sin, Christ stands up, it's already been paid. On your behalf, it's already been paid. Religion will act as if that payment still has to be made by something you can add to it. It's the same way in warfare. We tried to add something to it. Satan was already defeated. What much more can you and I add than what Christ already done? Amen. So it's not about him. It's about, and you, you and I have to be convinced through the scriptures. We're about to go to Romans chapter 8 to bring this, uh, 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 bring uh, better clarity to this. Amen. But you and I have to understand, praise God, that, in, that there is a difference between me. And this is what's dangerous with psychology in the church. Psychology comes in the church and tries to clean up the mind of the flesh. You can't clean it up. You cannot convince yourself to be good. You cannot retrain your brain to be some righteous person. I don't care. Listen, I've got somebody in my church that's getting their psychology degree. Praise God. I'm all for it. But I, what I'm saying is that you can't mix it, mix it with the gospel. Psychology, in definition, is a study of the mind. That mind has already been considered dead when you were born again. You can't clean it up. You can't change it. You've got to operate from a new governed mind, which is the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who is that mind? The Holy Ghost. Amen. So now he's your comforter. He's your guide. He leads you. He instructs you. He, gives you, he opens your eyes to truth. He reveals the Father to you. And he don't just reveal that to you, but the other side of the Holy Ghost is that he wants to get it out of you. He draws truth 
strength out of you. He draws the fruit out of you. He raises up the anointing out of you. He drops mantles on you, but not for the person of it, purpose of it just laying on you. He wants to get that through your life. Amen. Romans 8 and 1. There's therefore now no condemnation. Or 8 and 8. Uh, yeah, 8 and 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So he's starting to break this down. So I've got this war. But here's the an answer. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, I cannot be arrested again and held accountable to the law of sin and death if I am in Christ. Amen. And walk after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned it in the flesh. Praise God. It has no power. The sin nature lost its power over you when Christ condemned it in the flesh. The same way that the, the sting of death lost its power, the same way that the victory of the grave lost its power, the same way that Satan lost his power, the, the, sin, the sin nature, amen, that you and I are born into has lost its power at the moment you get in Christ. You cannot become one with the mind of the Spirit and also struggle or be under arrest into the, sin, the law of sin and death. The, how can two govern the same body? Amen. So what is he telling them? He said, even though I want to do good and I have the evil, if I follow after the mind of the spirit, then I won't struggle with the mind of the flesh. Even though I'm still human and I have a struggle of the sin nature, it's still there. I realize I, it has no power over me. It has no hold on me. Amen. One of the things I brought out last night that clogs up the, the portal from the kingdom into your life was self-control. That's what Peter said. Self-control, being able to deny yourself, being able to discipline yourself, amen, walking in that level of discipline. Now, now let me rephrase that because I can't d discipline myself, but the Holy Ghost can. So the Holy Ghost begins to show you the attributes of God. That's God's holiness. That's not a dress code. You wearing makeup doesn't violate the holiness code. Amen. The holiness of God is his attributes. That's his character. That's who he is. That's how he talks. That's his mannerisms. And the Holy Ghost comes to walk you into holiness so it changes who you were under sin and under the sin nature, under the law of sin and death, and it baptizes you again unto life and godliness. Amen. Praise God. So, Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be filled, fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. Amen. Those that mind the things of the flesh, your life will pattern that. If your main focus and your meditation is things of the flesh, your mind will begin to pattern that. Your life will begin to walk that out. 
But if your mind, amen, dwells on and meditates on the things of the Spirit, that's why he tells you to meditate on the Word day and night, praying without ceasing. Amen. What is that? That doesn't mean you got to be on your face 24-7, but that means that prayer is always in your heart. You're always talking to the Lord. You're always considering the things of the Spirit. You're always uh, uh, rolling over scriptures. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost works with. Hallelujah. Amen. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. What is it? Enmity. It's at war with God. It's at odds with God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The law of God is not the law of sin and death. This is now the fulfilled law of grace. Amen. The law of God. The new life that we are born into. Neither indeed can be. In other words, that mind can never come into unity with the law of God. Your born-again self cannot have the mind of the flesh become one with that. You've got to die to the one to live in the other. Amen. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It is impossible for you to please the Father when you are being fashioned after or patterned after the mind of the flesh. Hebrews chapter 4 and 12. I brought this out last night, but I'll go ahead. So... Deal with the armor of God real quick. So this is another, another uh, warfare scripture. We got the sword of the spirit, and that sword is used against Satan, and that's how we fight is with the word. Amen. Listen, Satan's already been bound. <laughs> Amen. Amen. By Christ. Hallelujah. He's already been, uh, his day is already counted. His end is already prophesied. And he has no other option. He cannot be redeemed. Amen. And so we use the sword of the Spirit. You've got the helmet of salvation, which is Christ. Breastplate of righteousness, Christ. Loins girt about with truth, Christ. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that's Christ. And then you have the sword of the Spirit, which is Christ. The sword of the Spirit, we use in teachings, and we did back in the day, in teachings to confirm our spiritual warfare. That's what, that's, that's the, that was the, our confirmation that there was warfare in the Bible, that we have spiritual warfare, and we use that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to combat, combat Satan. But I want to point out to you in the Scriptures what the Bible says the effects of the Word being used are. I'm going to show you that if you could use the Word against Satan, what it would actually do to him. And then we can determine whether we will believe that it's actually used against Satan or not. Are y'all with me? <laughs> Verse 12, Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The purpose of the world is to bring the word is to bring a separation between what is soul and what is spirit, what is carnal and what is spiritual. The word is not used to fight Satan. Satan is already judging them by the word. His future is finalized. Amen. So if the word was used against him, then we would have to say that the word was discerning his thoughts, dividing soul and spirit. Romans 12, 
And one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word renews your mind. So if you use it against Satan, you have to assume that the effects of that was that it would be that his mind would then be renewed. He would change his tone and no longer come against you because his mind is now renewed. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You mean to tell me that if you use the word against Satan, that he's going to be washed through the water of the word? For what purpose? That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So if you use the word against Satan and he has the effects of the word that the Bible describes, that means that he becomes spotless and without blemish and without wrinkle, (laughs) and he becomes a part of the glorious church. Proverbs 8 and 19, fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. Now, I, I... I'm going to skip that. I'll, I'll, I may get back to that in a little bit. I was going to end with that, but I'm not quite ready to, yet to end with that. Amen. We'll, we may come back to that because I'm, you can break down the two golds and, 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 uh, and get some good revelation out of it. Let, let, me, let me deal with this. So, you would have to assume that Satan would be conformed to what the word is declaring. Now, after looking at that, we have to decide whether we think the word is actually used against him or not. The last piece was that, that I'll bring out is, remember when Christ, baptized by John the Baptist, heavens opened up, dove descended, he was filled with the Spirit, and then the Spirit carried him out to the wilderness. The Spirit took him to a place. While he's in that place, he's fasting 40 days, 40 nights. At the end of his fast, here comes Satan. Satan begins to tempt him with turning Stones into bread and all this stuff. If you're the Messiah, then do this. If you're the Savior, then do this. All Christ done was he quoted scripture. And we've used that to say, hey, we fight Satan with scripture. Bible also tells us that we have to prove the Father. He tells him, prove me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. That's literally put him to the test. To see if he won't do what he said he would do in his word. So if, when I look at that scripture of Christ being in the wilderness and being tempted by Satan, it is tempting for me to automatically assume that he was warring against Satan through scripture. But if you realize all the mysteries that Paul received, that Peter received, you begin to understand that the word begins to separate. What's the scripture we just read? It divides both soul and spirit. It divides bone and marrow. So the word begins to come in and draw a line separating what is the mind of the flesh from what is the mind of the spirit. And it is my belief, you can, you can lay hold to your, your little Satan if you want to, but it's my belief that Christ wasn't actually addressing him. He was addressing the mind of the flesh, the carnal realm, the corruption of humanity. Amen. 
So it wasn't Satan, amen, <laughs> Satan can't compare or compete with God. The word wasn't for him. The word, amen, was drawing a line between what was the mind of the flesh. Imagine you fasting 40 days at the weakest part, and I have, I fasted 40 days myself. Nothing but, but uh, uh, water and broth. I was a whole lot slimmer than I am right now. I got to keep this beard to cover up my chins. Praise God. But when I fasted 40 days, I didn't have to do none of that. I shaved. I skin and bones. And at the end of that, you're, you're not hungry, by the way. After you make it about three, four, five days, you lose your hunger. You have no desire for food. It's, it's quite easy to do the 40-day fast if you can get through the first three days. Did that. At the end of that, I was so weak. You're almost like zombies. You're just going through your day. <laughs> just Like, when is this going to end? All of that, but you really have no desire to end it. You have no desire. It's, it's a weird place to be, but it's, it's beneficial to you because it weakens your flesh, but your spirit, man, becomes very alive. You become sensitive. So can you imagine Christ being there after just being filled with the Spirit? He didn't walk to this place. The Holy Ghost took him to this place. And then him being suffering temptation on all points yet without sin. And all he responded to was a couple of scriptures. Being that weakened, that state, do you, can you imagine the struggle and the turmoil that his mind must have been in. I can because it's a, it's a weird place to be in. Now, I don't know what he went, none of us have gone through exactly all that, he's went, that Christ went through. So I'm not trying to compare my 40-day fast with his. I wasn't in the wilderness. Amen. I was in the comfort of my home. Praise God. Amen. I had air conditioning. Hallelujah. All of that. I had water, plenty of it. Amen. Broth, plenty of it. Praise God. So it's, it wasn't the same. But... Can you imagine how distraught he must have been? How confused his mind must have been? Could have been at the point of hallucination. And yet, he still was quick with scripture to divide. Ah, I may be hearing this. I may be tempted by this. But the scripture still brings a difference between what is the carnal mind and what is the spiritual mind. At his weakest point, he still knew the difference between what mind was being governed, what was speaking to him that was carnality, and what was speaking to him that was spiritual. And it wasn't, he wasn't released out of the wilderness until he accomplished that moment. Oh. He didn't come out of that struggle, of that moment, of that season of the wilderness and the fasting. Amen. But the Holy Ghost, listen, Satan didn't drag him in there. Satan didn't inflict him with this. This was done by the Holy Ghost. There are some seasons of your life that the Holy Ghost dragged you into that you are, it, it would be easy for us to say the devil done it. But it ain't him. It's the Holy Ghost getting you weakened to a place where you will know the difference between what is the mind of the spirit and what is the mind of the flesh. And you will know which one to follow after. In today's world, we have no clue what to follow after. It's easy to follow after the rhetoric, the headlines, the politicians, what bills being voted on, the Supreme Court. But you and I ought to block every bit of that out. Even the soulless realm preaching that is in the church. It's easy to follow after that carnality. So what do we have to do? We have to fast that stuff. 
I'm not saying leave here and, and not eat. I'm saying turn, we got to go. Before any revival that I preach, and I do this periodically, I turn social media off for several days. I did it last week. Praise God. And over the weekend. Why? Because I, <laughs> I want to become desensitized to what they're filling our heads with. And our hearts with, because it's very easy for us to get up here and corrupt the gospel with carnal thinking. And if I keep feeding the carnality, the carnality is going to speak and corrupt what we're trying to preach and do. Same in your normal life, not, not just here in church, but same in our lives. It's hard for us to follow after the spirit when all we do is feed carnal. If we have a daily carnal dose, amen, a daily carnal diet, it is hard for us to learn how to follow after the spirit. So you have to starve that thing and become sensitive to the Spirit of God, amen, so that you can be led by His Spirit into the fulfillment of His will for you and I. Amen. I just want to know the will of God. Starve out carnality and you'll probably find it. Amen. We don't need new prophecies. We need to walk out the ones that have already been spoken by starving carnality. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all receive this? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's get to the purpose of this. So, I'm going to bring this out here real quick and then we'll close. What's the purpose of his word? The purpose of I mean, I read all those scriptures, but what's the purpose of, of what he's doing in your life? You've got to understand, God doesn't come just to make you happy. He don't want you just living your life. I've got, listen, my wife and I talk about it all the time. We have people in our church that just satisfy with Sunday. It's sad. No matter how much I provoke them, no matter how hard I preach this, they just, they don't want revival. They, they don't care about the move of the Spirit. They just want to put their mark on the board Sunday morning, pay their tithe, and walk out. That's it. Don't interrupt their life. They don't give anything extra. I ain't talking about my, I'm talking about their time. They don't come to any other services. It's just Sunday morning. And it's sad, but that's where they're at. There is more to what we are doing than just living. Uh, I have one family, one guy in the church, he told me, he said, I believe my calling is just to make a living for my family. And I said, you're wrong. You're confused. That's not biblical. You'll never find in the scripture where God calls you to make a living. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Moving on, amen. It's not, but that's a chauvinistic move. That's our, that's our idea. I'm the man. I got to move. I got to make the money for the house. I've got to be the head of my home. You Being the head of the home has nothing to do with you making a living. That's ministry. Amen. It's ministry. Hallelujah. And I get the same response from them. Praise God. He gets... He just, Looks at me dazed and confused, like, what? I thought, 
Man, don't work, you don't eat. Yeah, we're supposed to work. Praise God. But not because I'm, I, I got a job and I've got to be my family's provider and i got to. No, we're supposed to be busy about the Father's business. You're not supposed to be working for man, even if you are working under a man. You're supposed to be working for God. I take the job because he called me to that job, not because I need the money. Amen. There's more to it. So, Proverbs 8 and 19, fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. So, this is Solomon. You have to understand, he is the richest king. Loaded. But yet, he's still saying the fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. The first gold is like gold dust. It's chisel gold. That gold represents wealth and savings. But the second gold is refined gold. That's gold that is shaped into something like jewelry. Uh, but that gold represents extravagance. As powerful as Solomon was, he said that the fruit that I produce is better than all of my wealth, my savings, my jewelry, and anything that I fashioned out of my wealth. What you produce by the Spirit, which comes from the mind of the Spirit, is far greater what you and I can ever build in the flesh. It's far greater. If you get that, you seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, everything else is added. Amen. My wife and I have yet to focus on money. We don't. It's in, we were taught for a season, and still I still teach it in my church, giving. We were taught that, but it got in us, and I became a giver. I was doing it then, but I became it. Amen. It wasn't about doing, it wasn't about, it, it, God was trying to transform me into a giver, not just doing it here and there, or not just paying my tithe because I'm told to or I'm supposed to. I was transformed into that. Amen. That's the fruit that is greater than, no, than whatever else you could build in your life. That fruit is greater. And I believe if Paul was alive today, that'd be his message. What you produce from the mind of the Spirit is greater than what you could ever earn by the sweat of your brow. Adam was cursed. That was the curse. Christ removed that curse. You and I no longer have to. Remember when, look at Cain and Abel. We all know the story, right? Cain and Abel received their harvest. Abel gave God his, the first fruits. Cain consumed everything, gave God the leftovers. He gave him the worst of it. After he couldn't make any money off of it, the stuff he couldn't sell, the stuff he couldn't consume, he went ahead and decided to give that to God. God accepted Abel's. He rejected Cain's. Then he warned Cain because Cain started harboring anger in his heart. And God told him, he said, don't you know you could have the same as your brother? I'm sure that Cain didn't even fathom that. He was just offended that his brother was accepted by God, but he wasn't. But he never fathomed that, oh, God will accept, accept mine if I just repent and give him what, what is due him. Amen. But instead, he harbored anger, and God came and warned him, if you don't deal with this and you don't change, you're going to get into sin. He refused to change. He ended up killing Abel, and then God cursed him, and he said, now 
when you toil the ground, it ain't going to respond to you. Now, you got to look at the full picture. He planted, he toiled, the ground produced wonderfully for him. He cheated God out of what was owed him and gave God the worst. He harbored anger, led him into sin. He killed his brother. God cursed the ground that started the whole process. And said, now you had your opportunity the first time, and you didn't release to me the ground. He said, I created this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I created this. It gave you what I created it to give you, but you didn't allow me to receive what I created you to give me. And because you didn't give me what I created to give you, I'm not going to allow the ground to give you what I created it to give you. Amen. So, uh, so what do we have to do? We've got to repent. Praise God, we've got to change. Because the same way that he told Cain, you can have the same that Abel had. We can have the same that anybody else had. You can have the same that Brother Ziggy's had. You can have the same that I've had. Amen. If, if, amen. I can have the same that you have. Praise God. Amen. Why? Because we, it comes through the same process. You position yourself that what you receive from God, his best, you give God his, what he created you to give him, your best. The circle, Lion King said it's the circle of life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, y'all receive this? I know I gave a lot. I love doing these day, uh, these day classes just bless me. I'd rather, I'd rather do this than anything else just because I feel like we're more comfortable and I'm able to, to uh, release more in an intimate setting than I am like in a night service when there's a lot more people and you got to kind of be vague and not be able to hammer into stuff like you want. But uh, I've enjoyed this. I've had a blast up here this morning. Praise God. And last night, enjoyed it. I really believe God's releasing. Uh, I've told my churches, I'm, I'm going to tell you all too, because I, I want you to agree and to receive this for yourself. But God, God spoke to me the about last September, October. Something sh kind of switched in our church, and I noticed uh, the messages changed, and, and things started turning in different course and it, it became really extremely revelatory and I told our church I believe God's giving us keys for now for what is happening and for what is going on God desires for all of us to be a part of the revival but you got to make sure that you're positioned in a place that welcomes it that has that's giving you the keys and equipping you for it there's a lot of people that will be the beneficiary of the revival, but the, there's very few that will be used in the revival. And it's who we equip and who we give the keys to that's going to be used. Amen. And it's not, it's not I have a discipleship class in my church once a month, and we require all of our leaders to be in that discipleship class. But it's not just those that are being discipled in private, amen, that are going to be used. We've got to have this same kind of message in front of the church, pouring it out to anybody that is hungry. I, I preached at Pastor Jason Anglin's church back in December, and the he was here last night, sat there in the back. It, he, his church is in Midwest City, 
He is my friend. I love that man with all my heart. His church was so hungry. They were so hungry. I like to never got out of there because they just kept pulling and kept pulling and kept pulling. They were feasting on the truth of God. Amen. There are people, that I'm finding that everywhere. They're hungry. They're hungry. And, and it's not just, you know, we've had the, uh, uh, a measure of the, of, 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 of the anointing and, 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 and enjoying God's presence and, and, and worship and praise. But I'm finding, even in, even in our service, our church has always had wonderful worship. We, it's intense. When, I'm not saying wonderful as in talent. I'm saying wonderful as we know how to get into the presence of God. We've always had a strong sense of prophetic worship in our church. That is something that God has blessed us with, and we have been able, because of the church that, that I was in for years, that was the norm there. So I was brought up in it for a long time. I was in it for years. So it's easy for us to find that, but I'm finding now that it's switched. There's something happening to where it's changing towards the preaching. I feel stronger anointing in the preaching, and, I'm, and I get frustrated because I'm like, God, you know, I'm of the old school. If you had good worship, praise and worship, you ain't got to preach, you know. Give you a day off every once in a while. People start shouting, and you know I'm uh, being Pentecost, old school Pentecostal holiness. Uh, that was my upbringing. You know, we just look for any chance to hold our back and shout, "Amen!" And so, of course, I'm on the piano at my church, and so I don't get very many opportunities just to cut loose and shout. But uh, generally, if I go to other churches, I do. I tear it up. Amen. I love it. I love rejoicing. I love that having having church and just shouting and dancing and enjoying God's presence. Amen. But I'm seeing that change, that there's something happening. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but it's, it's, it's switching towards the, the preaching, and it's switching to the discipling, and it's switching to giving keys and mysteries and, and revelations. And it's like God's putting an emphasis on the knowledge of the Lord and Savior. Amen. That he's, he's opening up our intellect into the realm of the Spirit, where we're seeing things we've never seen before, where we're hearing things we've never hear, heard before. Amen. And it's, it's wonderful. And I have to look at that and say, God, God, you, you are giving us keys. Amen. You're giving us mysteries to be able to flow in a realm that we have one time thought was way in the future. Amen. And it's way out there. And we are far from it. And now it's right at our doorstep. Amen. And, and listen, it's the lost that needs to be saved. It's, it's the, the saved that needs to be matured and raised up and discipled. It's the sick that needs to be healed. It's the bound that needs to be delivered. Amen. There, there's only uh, uh, two churches. I had somebody come and tell me this. They said, Pastor, the, they don't go to my church. They go to a, a bigger church. But they said, I, I believe that you and one other church are the only two churches in town willing to cast devils out. I said, really? They said, yeah. They said, because my pastor tells it, call this pastor. Call Aaron. I had a church up here in the city send me his, he was having issues with one of his leaders. Sent her down to my church, brought her whole family. I cast devils out of every one of them. Now, I didn't know. That He didn't call me and tell me, hey, I'm sending them down there to get deliverance. He told them, he said, you need help. You just need to be ministered to. He didn't know what was wrong with them. You just need to be ministered to. Go down there to Aaron and let him, let him pray with you and minister to you. They thought they were coming to get a word, and they came and got delivered. 
Amen. That's how it was supposed to be. I was preaching at another friend of mine's church up here in the city. Amen. And his sister was <laughs> their evangelist. Be like what Cherie does. That's what she did. She was sitting right there. And I was up here preaching. And it was a storefront church just like this. I was up here preaching. She was sitting right there. And the more I preached, the more disturbed she got. She starts squirming. And all of a sudden, she stood up, and she's like this, and she just starts drooling and, <laughs> and foaming at the mouth. Hey, Amen. And I look at the pastor, and he just kind of drops his head. He was embarrassed that one of his own leaders had to have deliverance. You know why? Because we give them a title before we disciple them. We feel that the only way to keep people is if we promote them. Only way to keep them is if we give them a title, give them something to do. Only way to get money come in is if we have a project. But now he's switching and he's opened up the intellect, the mind of the spirit. And we're beginning to see these things in a way with clarity too. With clarity. No longer hype. Amen. But with clarity. And we begin to speak and declare these things. Praise God. And they're happening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Our lives are great. Our lives are wonderful. We have nothing to be depressed about. Amen. Nothing to be sad about. We rejoice. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. He's given us an earth to manage, and it's time for the church to rise up and begin to manage it the way that the kingdom always designed for us to do. Amen. It takes us producing fruit. You will not manage the earth hiding in church. You will manage the earth when you begin to produce the fruit that can go out and benefit those around you. Amen. Do you understand that? He, God's in control. No, he's not. It's you and I that's supposed to be in control. It's the mind of the spirit through us that's supposed to control the earth. Amen. It's, that's the way he intended it when he created Adam. Adam did not work the garden. He managed it through words. And when he named all the animals, he didn't name them what he thought of. He was in tune with the mind of the Spirit, and he called them in the earth what heaven had already called them. Amen. It's the same with us. We need to begin to name things here and call things here that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Align your language. Align the, your, your language with the mind of the Spirit. And cut out the, the, the idle words, amen, the vain words. Cut them out of your life and begin to declare here what thus saith the Lord. Amen. And not from a place of, I'm declaring it and hoping that it happens. But from a place of authority where you know you got the anointing of God. And with boldness you begin to declare now what God has already said and established in the heavens. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Amen. We're supposed to manage it. Do you believe that? You're supposed to manage it. Amen. Well, ain't that heresy? No, it's not. You're lining up with what God has said. You're not telling God what to say. That would then become heresy. You're lining up with what he has already said. You're not bossing him around. You're not trying to be God. You're allowing the word to transform you to be like him, to reflect his image. You're not creating the image. You're just lining up with his. 
Oh, hallelujah. Hey, man, you're not, you're not establishing the church. You're lining up with his church. Come on, somebody. You're not trying to come in here and manipulate the vision with your money and with your offering and with your time. You're just lining up with the vision that he's already established. That ought to be your life and your declaration every day. I'm not trying to take over it. I'm not trying to create anything new. I am lining up with the creator. Amen. He, he and I, I make people... Mad about this, but I, we cannot allow our culture to control it. You can't do it. I'm Hispanic. We have a strong culture, but I can't let my culture influence the kingdom. You're, the first message that Jesus preached was a sermon on the mount, and he began to target culture. He said, you say this, but I tell you this. He said, you say it's adultery if you sleep with somebody that's married. I tell you it's adultery if you look at a woman and lust after her in your own heart. He began to come after their culture. He healed on the Sabbath. Their culture said you couldn't do that. He opposed their culture and said that we can do it. Why? Because that was a man-made law. It wasn't the law of God. Amen. You be I had, a, I had a bunch of people leave my church. I had a whole Native American family come and join our church. And they began to talk to me about their dream catchers and, and cultural things. I said, that's witchcraft. What about powwows? I said, you can't do it. That's witchcraft. Well, that's, that's my heritage. That's, what I, I, that's, that's our people. That's what we know. It's witchcraft. You've got to get away from it. That's cultural... It's not kingdom. What does that powwow do in the spirit? Nothing. What does it do in the church? Nothing. You're not, you're trying to create something. You're not lining up. They wanted me to allow uh, uh, that stuff in the church. Why don't you bring your people to this powwow and allow your church to experience what our, our heritage is? I said, I will not, and I won't promote it either. Why? Because God called me out of culture. Come on, somebody. He called me out of culture into his marvelous life to take on his divine nature. You must die to yourself and be born again of the spirit. So lose your dream catcher. It does not catch your nightmares. They left the church. Praise God. Amen. Some people just don't appreciate good truth. <laughs> Amen. I love them. I still see them around town. I love them. I appreciate them. I thank God for them. I believe they're saved. I just believe they're deceived. But that's in the church. You can't, you can't raise a rock in the church without finding somebody's culture is influencing the ministry. It takes a, a, a strong sense of awareness, a, person, a leader that is very in tune with the spirit or leaders that are in tune with the spirit to keep cultural, amen, and to keep people's culture out of it, the influence of the, the ministry. It is not something that is easy to do. It is hard to do. Amen. It does, and it don't matter. I'm not just talking about race, uh, cultural, uh, 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 based off of your ethnicity. I, uh, also politics. It's hard to find a church that hasn't allowed politics to influence the ministry. That's what God had to come after me in. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So I had to realize that I was picking sides and allowing that... Republican culture, conservative culture to influence the ministry. And once you get that and once you catch that and your eyes are open to it, you must repent or now you are in sin. 
Because the Bible says if you know to do it and you don't, it's sin. So once he tells you to get out of that, change the pattern, Cain. If you don't change the pattern, Cain, you take it further and deeper. And then your whole church begins to be polluted and corrupt. Because you refuse to address the cultural side of it. It's carnal. It's carnal. Praise God. I was supposed to stop a long time ago. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, God bless you. Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, that you're alerting us to what you are doing. This is the awakening. You're awakening us up to truth. You're awakening us up to your spirit, to the mind of the spirit. You're opening up the intellect of the Holy Ghost, and you're downloading into us all <laughs> your mysteries and your truths, Father. So we receive them no matter how much it provokes us. We receive it. Hallelujah. We declare that we're not engaging in carnal thinking. The Lord, when it's exposed, will repent of it. We'll resist it. We'll allow the word to draw a line between what is carnal and what is spiritual. So that we get to the place that Paul did. Amen. Where he understood that if he follows after that carnal flesh, that he'll bring him back into prison, to captivity, to the law of sin and death. But if he follows after the mind of the Spirit, it'll bring him into life. Hallelujah. So God, we declare we're living today. We're following after the mind of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. We choose to live. We choose to live. We choose to live. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, and we praise you. Hallelujah. And we give you all the praise. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Love you. Pastor Ziggy, I'll turn it back to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Thank God. Thank God for his word. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Amen. We say it often around here. What we need the most is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Aaron, for coming and, and uh, blessing us with the word. And we're so appreciative of uh, the, uh, uh, the men and the women of God that he has brought to us. And uh, very appreciative of Brother Aaron's ministry and the love that he has for Jesus and the anointing uh, that God's placed upon his life. Praise God. Amen. So uh, we're back here tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, tonight we'll have a miracle a healing service. We're trusting the Lord uh, for miracles. The theme of this revival has been aligning the natural for the supernatural. And uh, the words that have been brought have been words to help us to align the natural to facilitate the supernatural. Most people in the body of Christ don't understand how to do that. But thank God there, there are those that have walked out of the Spirit, that God has brought revelation to the uh, to them, in, in a, and all of us carry a measure of what God. It, it's 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 unusual how God is, has has uses man, and He'll put uh, a nugget of truth in this one, and a nugget of truth in this one, a revelation in this one, a portion in this one. That's why it's important for us to be submitted to fivefold ministry gifts. Amen. But tonight I'm going to be sharing on special miracles, and. Um, how in the word people tapped into the flow that produced special miracles. The Bible says that uh, special miracles were wrought through the hands of uh, Paul or by the hands of Paul. And uh, very specific about what those miracles are. I don't think that people uh, realize that 
there is a way where we can facilitate that kind of a move of the, of the Spirit in our lives. And so I'm going to share, I'm going to share about that tonight. I'm expecting the Lord to do some incredible things here tonight. So uh, come, bring someone with you. Uh, don't just invite someone, bring someone. Amen. Uh, don't just meet me here, beat me here. Amen. And let's expect that God is going to do something uh, incredible. I, now, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I know that God's going to do something amazing here, whether, whether any of y'all are here or not. And uh, there will be people that will come, and God's going God's to work with whoever is here. But one of the things I'm believing for, and one of the things, one of the things I want to talk about as well, is how we deal with this whole COVID thing. And, and I believe we're at the very, very end of this thing, this battle that we have faced with COVID. But how we, how we deal with some of these things that oppose us, how we move forward with some of this stuff, it's critical. It's important. Most people don't understand that doing the work of God, when, you know, when Jesus went and laid hands on people, he laid hands on people that were contagious. I was talking to Apostle Smith when, when the first outbreak of COVID, whatever the, the original strainer, I don't know, you know, it's hard for you to even tell if these people are, they're, they're crazy up there. Anyway, and then, you know, you never know what to do. Mask, don't mask, you know. Uh, stay inside, go outside, don't go to work. Well, maybe you need to go to work. Ten days, you know, it's ten days. But you know what? If, if you're all right, then five days. But if you don't have a fever, go on ahead. But if you have any symptoms, stay home. They're, they're crazy. They're crazy. You know why? Because they don't have the answer. They're experts, but they don't know nothing about this. So guess what? We have to rely upon the only one who knows how to take care of it all. Amen. And we have truth. We have, we're, in fact, we have the only source of real truth. The only, the only source of real truth left in the world. Did you ever imagine that the only source of truth that would be left in our generation would be the word of God. You can't depend on the news. You can't depend on the media. You can't depend on anything right now as believers. The only thing we can depend upon is the word of God. So when we were in the heat of COVID, we were going to revivals. And I would preach in these revival meetings. We, we never quit. We never missed a beat. We, quit, we, kept, we kept preaching. Uh, there were people that were calling us super spreaders. They were calling us everything but Christians. But we continued to press in. We were packing churches out. We would have triple the crowds because people had shut their churches down. But we were gathering people. And people were like, oh, you're, you're, you're going to kill everybody. No one died. There weren't outbreaks of COVID everywhere we went. Nothing like that happened. Un unlike what's happening around here right now. But, but there, there is an outbreak of COVID around here. But here's the thing. You ain't dying of COVID. Anyway, so. Storms come, but you know why they come? They come to pass. Listen, if you didn't think the devil was going to attack, you're living in a fantasy land. 
if you didn't think it was dangerous to do the work of God, I don't know where, you know, that's most people in church. But anyway, I'm gonna, I just want to say this very briefly. Uh, I'm not going to re-preach and do all these things. I just want, I just want to make, drop this in you because I want you to come prepared tonight if you're coming. Because if you come, there will probably people be, there'll be probably people here with COVID. It's a miracle service. There's going to be sick people here. When we were in the, when we were in the heat of COVID, where people were being sent home to die. I talked with pastors. I said, I will go to those people's homes. I'll lay hands on them. When we're done with this revival, you take me to the COVID people. We'll go lay hands on I went, you don't know how many people we laid hands on that were, some of them dying of COVID, some of them the doctors had given them up to die, and we went in there, and you know what, I didn't glove up and I didn't mask up, I went in like Jesus went to the, to the lepers, and I laid hands, and now listen, I, I wasn't trying to prove nothing, that it's, that's just where I'm at, I'm not saying that's where you're at, listen, if that's not where you're at, glove up, mask up, hazmat suit up. You understand? I, do what you got to do. But we were, we, were, we were doing what the Lord had put in our hearts to do. And so I went and I laid hands on people. And I let people know. My family, my dad, uh, when I saw him, I said, I have touched everyone from Arizona to Ohio. I've laid my hands on everybody. And so you may not want to come. And you know what he said? Don't come around me. He, he stayed in his house for three months from March until June. Went out one time to AutoZone and got COVID. I'd been laying hands on people from here to Timbuktu. And God was moving. Nearly half the people we laid hands on, we saw them recover. Amen. There's something you have to understand. That when God used people with, that, to do special miracles, those people didn't hide from what in the natural looked destructive. And that is a part of the key that unlocks the door. Why do, why do you think that you have such a hunger for the miraculous? And the greatest threat to man, supposedly to mankind, came in your lifetime. Because God intended to open up the greatest realm of the supernatural and the miraculous to our generation. God built you for this. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Amen. So I want you to come meet me here. Meet me here. Bring someone with you. Don't just invite someone to come. And let's expect the Lord to do great things. Listen, go in his presence before you leave. Love someone because you do. If, if you just absolutely positively have to sow an offering. We, we haven't been taking offerings in the morning. But if you have to feel more than welcome to sow an offering. If you'll just drop it off with Tyler in the back there. Uh, Tyler, wave your hand at me. Uh, if, you, if you want to write a check, write it to Winner's Church. If you, if you want to do that this morning, I'm not going to keep you from it. We always encourage people to be obedient to the Spirit. We haven't received any offerings in the morning services, but I sense in my heart that if you want to do that, um, if, if the Lord's been 
uh, uh, pressing on you to do it, then make sure that you sow. You can also text to give. Uh, put that up, Marissa. Uh, you text uh, Winners Church to 77977, and you can do it online. Uh, text to give. Listen, I love you guys. I appreciate you. Uh, go in his presence. Before you leave, love someone because you do. I will see you guys back here tonight, uh, 7 o'clock, same Holy Ghost time. Amen. Same Holy Ghost channel. Glory to God.